Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. Holy Spirit, wow, we're in awe of you. We're in awe of who you are. Come and keep coming. Just like what we're saying about today, let the fullness of your glory keep unfolding in our lives. The more and more of who you are, you're so worthy to be seen. You're so worthy to be displayed. You're so worthy to be seen in the fullness of your beauty and of your splendor and of your majesty and of your power and of your goodness. So I bless us as we continue to just journey on into the beautiful unveiling I thank you that you tore the veil once and for all by your spirit, but then there's a secondary process where you then unveil us. (laughs) You fully unveiled yourself first so that then you would unveil us. And so I just bless, I just see that today. I just see these beautiful layers of, of just things being lifted up and off and the fullness of who each of us are to him is going to be seen so clear. And so I just bless that beautiful process. We say we will let our faces shine fully before your light. In Jesus' name, amen. It's good. Well, so many things swirling, but I know he'll bring it together like he always does. But I think that what's been burning in my heart lately in this season is um, just a desire for his Holy Spirit to really be seen. I remember it was a while back, it was probably 10 years ago, and I mean, he's who changed my life. Like, I grew up going to different churches off and on um, as a little girl. Um, I think that my mom especially had a hunger, but she she didn't know quite, you know, always where to go or how to get involved with different churches. So we church hopped a lot growing up, and it wasn't until we moved to Texas that we finally actually got settled in to a place. And I would say that was my first experience with having a spiritual family, and it was really sweet, really small, sweet little place, little community. And um, I just love his ways because even even in being in an environment like that, it was real small and intimate. And honestly, my family like was one of the five youngest families. I always say I just had a bunch of grandparents. And I loved it. I really did because their hearts to serve and to love were so genuine and so real um, that that was where I began to actually experience the love of God was through a community. Um, but the one factor that was missing there was the Holy Spirit. But what's wild, too, to me, when I think back, I'm like, God, you're so fun. Like, our pastor was uh, a woman named Judy. And so I've only ever seen and known, like, a leadership role, you know, from from Judy. And so that was just really sweet to me, too. And so it's funny, but later, in, once I got to understand more of, like, church, dumb, religious culture, it was like, oh, a woman being in leadership, that, that was never even a thing for me because that was the normal. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, well, on one side, I had no idea who the Holy Spirit was. We didn't talk about him. He was kind of like the mysterious third wheel um, that when we got to heaven, you'll know about him. Um, but otherwise, it's Jesus and God, you know. And um, But then at the same time, yeah, like, I got to see a display of a pure, passionate leader and a woman that was leading our church. And so he just, I just see all the specifics of in my life that he, he really did tailor to my call and who he made me to be. And he just knew exactly what I needed when I needed. And so, yeah. So like I said, we really loved God, loved Jesus. I was, I know I was in a family of people that really had a heart, but we didn't know the Holy Spirit. 
And that made a lot of sense in hindsight because <laughs> it was that thing where you try to do your best to live righteous. And back then, not really even knowing what that word meant, but just knowing it meant something like that you needed to aspire and work towards. Um, but just always feeling like I just came up short. And I would say that was all of my life, the first 22 years of my life. Before I met the Holy Spirit, I met Him at 22. And up until then, I always fell short in my mind. And of course, I had a lot of encounters with Him where He said, no, complete opposite, but you did need me. <laughs> you did need me. <laughs> and now I got you in your mind forever. That was the thing that changed everything. He changed everything. That's who He is and that's what He does. And so there's just this burning and this stirring that I feel in this season where a lot of us have been doing a lot of life together here in this house. But I know that there's a moment in time where it just feels like he's aligning things for people that are so hungering for the more of God, and it is his spirit. I don't know if y'all have been hearing about the really powerful encounters that God's having at the Asbury College. Has anyone heard? Yeah, they're saying that there's a revival happening there, and, and that's amazing, right? Like, it was in a place that everyone would say, well, that's really, like, obscure, like, no one would have thought. But, like, gosh, he's just—what I heard that rocked me, and this is kind of what I'm, I think I'm going to talk about today, but I just heard this morning that someone said that how it even started—it's been going on for days now, apparently, where a student— just stood up in the class and he began to literally just pour his heart and he actually started to make himself vulnerable and say what all of his flaws were. And it said, they said that then the spirit came into the room and he just hasn't left. And it's been going on for days now. And they have so many stories already of people experiencing the true love of God. But it started with one heart that said, I will make myself vulnerable and I will reveal and unveil just where my heart's at right now. And God said, yeah, I can bless that. I can, I can come and I can meet with that because that's real and that's authentic and that's someone's real heart that's rending themselves open. And he says, I can come and meet that. And so I just got to thinking this week, there's just been so much stirring in the atmosphere. I mean, this is just the most amazing time to be alive. It's like literally electric. Like I feel like at any moment I could just get zapped, you know, <laughs> it's awesome. And, and I know it's his spirit. I know it's his presence. And um, like I said, it, it was when the Holy Spirit came that changed everything for me. I want to share just a little bit of my story because, you know, it says in Revelations 12, 11, that when we share our testimony, that that is what defeats and pulls down the, the slanderer and the liar and destroys the enemy. And it's the testimony of Jesus, I always thought that was interesting. It's not just my testimony. It says, first, it's the testimony of Jesus. <laughs> so I got to testify about my Jesus because his story is what's unfolding in my life for his purposes, like we, like we sang today, for his glory. And so like I said, I, when I was on my journey searching for more, I looked in all kinds of different places, all kinds of different people for the more. I was really, really hungry. Um, I hadn't encountered the Holy Spirit yet, but there was just this ache that started happening where I couldn't just do my normal anymore. Um, I couldn't go hang out with certain friend groups anymore. I couldn't even go to the church I was going to anymore, which is weird because I was like, well, this is the place where you're supposed to be close to God. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but in his goodness, he will cause wells to dry up. He absolutely will because he's saying, I've got the next thing for you. And so 
don't be afraid when things get dry sometimes because he's saying that I'm actually preparing you for the next outpouring. And so I was in a really dry, very dry, dry place. Uh, but I was also still burning, you know. And, and I remember actually I, I had a life group. I, I was going to life church. Um, and there was just such a, a passion that I had, but I, in, in those places, I still wasn't experiencing what I knew that there could be more of. And so I laugh about it now, but <laughs> you know what I'm going to say? I, it was the summer where we actually were having record heat in Oklahoma. I think it was like a hundred days of it being over a hundred degrees. <laughs> and in my little zealous and passionate brain, I was like, yes, this is the perfect time to take my life group and we're going to go sit outside and we're going to enjoy this heat because we've just gotten so comfortable as Christians. Like, we need to feel a burn or something. Like, we're just this, we're so blah, you know? Like, and I was like, anything, I, I mean, I was just desperate. Do you know what I mean? Like, thank, thankfully, my roommate was like, yeah, we're not gonna, no, that's not. And I was like, oh, okay. But, you know, I just wanted to. I did. In my heart, I was outside because I was like, I need fire. I need the fire of God. I didn't know, but I was crying out for the Holy Spirit. I was so hungry. And so God met my hunger. <laughs> he met my thirst. And so 2012 was when um, I actually moved in with Tracy. She's not in here. She's, I think, with the kid. <gasps> Tracy, there you are. <gasps> So God connected us in that big old place with hundreds of people, right? Like hundreds. But like I said, I, I'm appreciative for my journey. I'm appreciative for every, every different place that he took me through and people I was a part of. And I know I met genuine lovers along the way. I know I did. But I, I just needed my tribe. I didn't know it then, but Trace was my tribe. And so um, she volunteered in the accounting, in the accounting room and helped count offering and and so my roommate was actually getting married that summer. So I was going to be in an in-between phase, that awkward, like, mm, I've only lived with you, like, ever since I've been out of high school. And so now I'm like, this is weird. I don't want to live with someone. I don't know what to do, God. I don't know. And so, but Tracy, and her just so sweet. Thank you, Tracy. She, uh, she offered my roommate and I to come live with her. And um, just while we figured it out, she was getting ready to obviously go get married. And, and then I was going to figure it out. And so, uh, <laughs> so I moved in with her. And long story short, I just got connected with my tribe. She knew Teresa and Pam, and I just love how he works. Um, they own a construction company, and they had been doing construction for a long time, even since. And so they had just redone, I think, your kitchen. And um, so they had just met, and, and they were rocking Tracy's world because they know Jesus. And so they just opened up Tracy's heart to who Jesus really was. And she was like me. We didn't know it, but like attracts like. So the two of us little girls in this big old church world found each other, and we're just hungry for something. We don't know what to call it. And then we meet, here comes Pam and Teresa, and these mysterious construction women. <laughs> it's like, whoa. And they redid her kitchen and changed her life. And I was like, well, that's, sign me up for that. Like, I'm, I'm kind of in a dry place right now. I'd love to receive anything. You know, I'm, I'm looking, I'm searching, I'm looking. And so, so interesting. I'll never forget it. I was up in the upstairs. I lived in a little upstairs room at her house. And um, I was just praying and just crying out and asking for direction. I, I was almost four years into getting a degree for speech language pathology. But there was this anxiety in me that was just unreal. I'd, I'd had levels and measures of it because I had, like I said, I always felt like I was coming up short in life. And I had a lot of fear of man. 
And so I was familiar with that kind of anxiety where you just always feeling like I'm not doing enough, I'm not doing it right, what people think. But this was kind of next level where it was like I was moving closer and closer towards a degree that was supposed to be my purpose for like the next 50 years that I was going to work, you know, how like the world puts this really weird pressure on you to like figure it all out at 18. Not a good idea. <sighs> Kids, it's okay. You do not have to figure it out by 18. I promise you there's time. There's lots of time. And so um, I was feeling the pressure of that and it was just getting weightier and weightier till I was having full blown panic attacks and I didn't even know what what those were, you know, I just, I just know I would start to stop breathing and kind of black out. And I was even on my way to class one time and it happened. It just came upon me and I could barely pull over, but I did. And I called my mom and she's just trying to walk me through and tell me to keep breathing. She's like, yeah, actually your dad had these, you know, he's about your age. So it's okay. basically it's okay. I was like, well, no, I'm not okay. Nothing about this is okay. And then I'd never heard that. And so it's like, oh, okay, why are we not talking about things like that? Okay. You know, and so, so then I'm like, okay, well, I guess this is normal. Like you just, you know, this is adult stuff, I guess, where you just feel a bunch of anxiety trying to figure it out. No, but Jesus. <laughs> so I would say I was probably at the pinnacle of um, depression, of anxiety, of torment. Um, and... In 2012, that summer, I was actually in between classes. I wasn't taking anything that summer, so I had a wide-open summer. But me, just naturally being a go-getter, I was like, I got to do something. If I'm not going to be in school, I'm going to have a job or do something, you know, because my parents kind of supported me while I was in school. And so, like I said, I was living with Tracy. And so, I'm back to this part first. So, I'm, I'm looking for direction. I remember the moment where I said, God, I, I realized I didn't even ask you what I should do for my, with my life. Like I had this really weird come to moment where like you're doing, you're doing you, you know, and you're feeling pretty good about it most of the time. You're just doing you, doing you. But it was like, skirt, like these just big breaks got pumped. And it was like, I just heard him. He was like, well, you haven't even asked me. <laughs> you haven't even asked me what you're supposed to be doing. I was like, right. <laughs> Let me start there. Papa, what did you make me for? And, you know, there was a lot of, that was a huge decision. That was my first really, really big choice because, I mean, I was thousands of dollars into schooling at this point. You know, my parents were awesome and saved. And, and so, I mean, just, I had so much investment. So there's a weight to that of like, well, and then if I just dip out, well, well now what do you, you know, it's like, okay, no big deal to change the majors, but like, well, what are you going to do now, you know? And then it's like, well, I'm going to have to say, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> the end, bye. <laughs> I don't know. And I had to have that conversation with several people that really genuinely cared about me. Like, are you okay? I'm like, you have no idea. I've never read her. But that's, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, and so I remember praying and yeah, he said, yeah, you've never asked me. So I just said, okay, Papa, what, you know, God, what'd you make me for? I didn't hear anything, but I saw this picture. And um, I will never forget it. It was this very um, detailed vision in my mind. And I was standing in front of this um, winter barren land uh, covered with snow, so much snow. And over here on my left was um, this big pond. 
and it was completely frozen over. And I knew it was like, it was completely frozen over on my right was a bunch of terrain. It kind of got more hilly. There's a lot of trees and like, like I'm talking hip deep snow and I'm standing right here. And he said, you can either choose to go left. And this, I knew he didn't say it like this verbatim, but I know what he was saying was you can choose to go left, which is across this frozen pond. Um, but this way is the world's way, and it looks easy. It looks easier. Um, it looks like it's going to have a point A to point B real quick, and you're going to be able to get the check mark of I'm successful now. I've got my job. I'll find someone to marry. I'll do the thing. You know, I'll do the thing that every. And and that's that direction, or you can you can go right. And you know, I knew in that moment he was saying that's not going to be the easy way. You're going to have to plow your way. You're going to have to kick the snow around. You're going to have to go up the hills. You're going to have to get through the branches. But this is my path. And then he said, look behind you. And so I did. And he was showing me, if you choose to go the pond way, there's going to be a time where that's going to break and it's going to thaw out and it's not going to leave a path. And the things of the world are going to get shaken and they're going to get taken away. But if you walk this way, your feet will leave a path. You'll mark out a way. And others that are looking for the true God call and destiny in life, will, there will be a way left. They'll be able to follow that way, and they'll be able to follow their, their purpose and their destiny if you choose to walk this way and leave a path behind you. So I chose the God way. And there was no question about it. There's, yeah, there just wasn't because I knew, because I knew in that moment that what I had experienced was real. And I knew that the fake was just fake. It was just a bunch of ideologies and worldly culture that said, this is what's going to make you successful and happy and peaceful. And I just knew that that wasn't it. And so that was, like I said, 20, 2012. And it's been a really long, amazing journey. But I have come to know him as just the most sweet companion and best friend who's on my left and on my right and just all around me and helping to make the way. And now it's just my greatest privilege and honor to follow, you know, after the way that even what the leadership here is doing. And the, who we are as One Life really is um, a beautiful, um, I guess you call it birthing, if you will, of a dream that God placed in, in Teresa's heart and Pam's heart many, many years ago. And so many have come alongside them since then, Sarah Lynn, and just have forged a way to do church the way that God's desire was, where we allow the Holy Spirit to actually come and to move and to touch His people and to have nothing in between, no man-made systems, nothing in the way, you know, where God can just come and collide with man. You know, that's our, we have a, a Studio 36 um, umbrella here where we have a, this company of artists that paint and create and draw and make music. And we've got so much that we're doing and that he's put in our hearts to do is to create um, beautiful things that he can, like we sang today, put his glory on and to display who he really is to people. And so it's our burning desire to just make him known. And so, he, like I said, he, he put this in someone's heart and now we're all standing and we're in this room today because someone else said yes first. And we're all just following this God path. And, and really, if you want to trace it back, it's Jesus. 
<laughs> he was the first one that got really mad about religion. Y'all know I, I talked about it at communion a couple weeks back where he's flipping tables. Why? Because he was so angry at the injustice that the religious spirit had put on the people and laws. And I didn't know this until years later. And I don't, I was like, why have I never heard this? But the guys that were selling the animal sacrifices for people to come to the temple and to be before God, they were overcharging the animal sacrifice prices. I mean, no wonder why he was in there flipping tables. No wonder, because he does not want anything to stand in the way of his beloved, of his people to get to come before him. He said, I paid that price. I am going to pay that price. So nothing else is going to be able to satisfy that. And so he's the one who forged the new way for living life with his Holy Spirit and doing life with him. And he was the first reformer, if you want to call him that. And I just have to say that this week, you know, um, I'm actually going to have Tessie come up towards the end and share a word that she wrote this week about, um, it's really powerful, but about all that, how God is renewing and reforming his people for this time. But Teresa had a really awesome pre-word to her word about reformation and that even like, like what I said, what's happening in the Asbury College that's amazing that revival's happening. And I'm so excited, though, for how things will be reformed through that. You know, I don't know if y'all remember, but this is the month that we're fasting for vengeance. And we're asking for God's vengeance. And we're learning what that even means. That it means his love wants to repay all things. Not do harm, but to actually come heal. That's his vengeance. And so in Christy's word that she wrote about vengeance, he said that the time is coming where my flames are coming. And you're going to touch these flames and not walk away. That means reform. That means that what I just touched is going to stay transformed. It's not that, oh, revival, and then I walk away, and then I'm not the same. It's that when his spirit comes and falls, I'm going to be changed forever. I'm going to be reformed, and now I will go and reform. Now I will go and reform with his spirit, with his Holy Spirit. And so I wanted to read to us um, this really sweet encounter that I go back to a lot. Um, he's been delaring it for me for years. And I feel like just in this season, it's like, whoa, I'm seeing the fullness of what he's been saying. But it's the story of the woman at the well. And it's really powerful. There's so many layers to this story. But, you know, she was a reformer. <laughs> and and we'll, we'll read and find out how and why. But I just want to say, too, that this is all of your stories. I didn't even know it, but my story was pre-living this woman's story. And so I think that's probably why I identify with it so much. And I just pray that you all will too, that this really is actually your story, that we were in our greatest places of thirst and hunger. And then Jesus came and rocks our world with his spirit. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in there. I'm going to literally have my paper Bible today. Come on now. So I'm going to turn there, but if you want to open your phones there. <laughs> And I'm going to start at verse 4 in John 4. <clears throat> and I'm in the Passion Translation. It says that soon the news reached the Jewish religious leaders known as the Pharisees that Jesus was drawing greater crowds of followers coming to be baptized than John. <clears throat> Jesus heard what was being said and abruptly left Judea and returned to the province of Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaritan territory. Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sakar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph, long ago. 
Wearied by this long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Surprised, she said, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? This is where he's first reformer, right? <laughs> and Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. The woman replied, but sir, don't you even have a bucket? And this well is very deep. So where would you find this living water? Do you really think that you, who are greater than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it himself, along with his children and livestock, do you think that you are greater than him? And so I have to pause there because years ago, like this jumped off the page at me when she asked, <laughs> are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who dug and drank from this well, along with his children and livestock? And he said, ask me why I brought up livestock. I was like, okay, why did you include livestock in that? And so he proceeded to show me, and it is crazy. So in this encounter, you know, back then, wells were the source of life. I mean, that was the source of water. We're so familiarized today with our luxurious water in our bathrooms and our kitchens. I mean, at my house, we have like 20 sinks. I mean, I think I counted the other day. It was, it was a lot of sinks, even in the bathrooms. We just have a lot of water. We love water in my house. And so I was like, whoa, that is a lot of water. And so we're just so accustomed and familiar with access to water. But in that time, it was a big deal. I mean, your whole life revolved around going to the source, planning your day that you go and you get your water because you've got to have that and you have to take it back to where you're living. There's like a community well. And so it was a really big deal to them. And so the woman in this moment, when she said, are you greater than Jacob, who drank from this well alongside with his children and livestock, he was showing me that he loved that question she asked him because she was seeing that this one well impacted so much. So much so that even the livestock was being supplied by this water source, that then that livestock became food for their family. And it's just that circle of life, you know, where it's like she saw the big picture of the big circle of what water did. So he's like, ooh, I can give her this revelation I'm about to give because she sees the power of water. She sees the power of water. So much so that she's even including why it matters that livestock drank from it. Because she saw it was everything. And it impacted everything. And it kept the society there. It kept the people alive. It kept things going. So he's like, mm, she sees the big picture. Yeah, I can entrust her with my living water now. So then they go on to have this amazing conversation. Let's keep reading. So Jesus answered back to her, if you drink from Jacob's well, you will be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again, and I will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. So she's about to get drenched. 
She's so bad. <laughs> Back to my story, like I was saying, like I was so thirsty and I didn't know it, but I was so hungry for his spirit, for his presence. And so that summer when I was in between jobs and I met Tracy and then I wrote out my vision and I wrote it out plain as day. And I didn't have all the answers then, but I just knew I, I just knew I needed to steward it somehow and I needed to get this out somewhere. Is there anyone out there that can help me? <laughs> and so I told Tracy about it and she's like, well, you could leave it, you know, write it down. They're going to come by today and you could just write it down and leave it for them. I was like, all right. So I did. I wrote it out and I left it on her kitchen counter. And I said, will you please make sure that they, they get this message? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to describe when you're hungry and when you're thirsty. It's just like, gosh, you're just so. And so I did. So I wrote it down. And um, what's interesting is I don't remember hearing back from them like right away. But there was like this piece that I had. And um, so I was working at Kirkland's little home decor store. And um, I worked every Saturday and Sunday. And it always fell. I heard that they're having this really cool church. Um, in their house. And I was like, okay, like, that's awesome. But I couldn't go because their service times are always when I had to work. And so um, Easter Sunday, we were closed and I decided this is the day I get to go and meet these women and check out their home church and just see, see what's happening here because I'm so thirsty. And so I walked into, it was Sarah Lynn's house at the time, I remember I walked through the front door, and I'm not kidding. It was like liquid peace. I mean, it was like I just stepped into water. I literally felt like my lungs, like I just started breathing. I think that was the first thing. I just I started taking deep breaths because, you know, the enemy was really targeting my breath. And now I even know why more so, because I was called. I was called to be a display. I was called to speak. I was called to sing. So he was targeting that from an early age. I was actually, I, I was born in emergency C-section and my umbilical cord was wrapped around my neck. And I had a twin. And we laugh about it now and say that he just wanted to be an only child. But I prevailed. <laughs> but Papa knows, he knows who we are and he knows what we need. And so now I have my spiritual twin. I have my spiritual twin brother who knows me. And he sees what I'm called to do, and he protects it, and he honors it above anything else. And he's one of my greatest champions. <laughs> so he knows just what we need. And, and so, like I said, my breath started coming back. I could actually start to breathe. And I just felt peace, and that was all I needed to know. That was all I needed to know was I just walked into water. Like, oh, I'm going to stay here. And so I did, and I never left. <laughs> We had all, <laughs> we've relocated. We've had a fun journey where we've, we've had different buildings and here we are now in, in the hive. But, um, but the living water came and saturated me and brought me just what I needed. And I didn't have all the language or understanding for it, except that I knew that I knew the Holy Spirit just drenched me. And he just kept coming since. He just kept bringing me encounter after encounter hearing. I remember the next day I woke up after um, they had prayed for me. They asked if they could pray for me. Um, another time I came soon after that first Easter Sunday. And I said, absolutely. And when they did, the Holy Spirit fell. And I'd never experienced a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. But fire shot up from my belly. I was a flame. 
And um, <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> and I got knocked out and laughed for two hours, I think, something like that. Um, and then Tracy had to help me home. And um, I woke up the next day and color was brighter. I'm not kidding. Color came back. I didn't even, I didn't even realize all of my senses got so dulled. I didn't even know. So things like color, my like sensitivity towards sound. It was like I could all of a sudden God was everywhere. When in, when in one second I was like, God, are you out there? Are you real? Then it was like, boom, he's like, I'm right here. Hello, good morning. Hi. Like, whoo, you know, and he, I mean, he's just everywhere. I was seeing him in, in everything. And it was, it was like I was just coming back to life. I didn't even know I was dead. And so what's amazing to me, let's keep going. Let's go back to her story. They they parallel. It's so fun. Okay, so Jesus said, remember he said that um, when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. And the woman replied, let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water. Jesus said, go get your husband and bring him back here. But I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, he said, for you've been married five times and now you're living with a man who is not your husband. You've told the truth. And so on, on the surface, um, I used to read that and go, wow, Jesus, <laughs> just aired out all the laundry, like <laughs> right there, you know, but whew, after I got to know who he really is, it's what I'm saying about what this little student had at this college that's now having this revival. He opened up his heart and Jesus saw his story and he said, I can come and be with that because I know you now with this woman at the well. He said, I know your story. See, on the surface, you know, we get all kinds of preconceived, just really quick judgments about why she's been married five times and why she's had that story. But I know that I believe and know that there's a depth to that story that we'll never know. And maybe when we get to heaven, she'll get to tell us. But there's a reason why she had to go through that journey. And Jesus came to meet her right there to say, I will now be your husband. I will now be your husband. You've been rejected. You've gone through rejections, but I've come to be your husband now. And we all have stories where we've experienced all kinds of rejection in all kinds of places where the truth is we are just looking for someone to know us. And we didn't have language for it. You know, it's not like you enter into a friendship or relationship and you're like, hey, like, <laughs> yeah, will you know me? Will you know all my fears? Will you know all my insecurities? Will you know the deepest parts of me? And then, and then what do you think? Like, am I still good? It's like, oh gosh, he, he knows. I had this dream a couple months back. It was unreal. I just read it the other day where I was speaking to young people in the dream and I was helping them to see all the ways that the enemy was lying to them. And the one thing I said when I woke up out of it was, um, I said, well, I know what the enemy did to unmake you. I know what the enemy did to unmake you. So that means that you were once made. You once had a form to who you were. But because we have an enemy who steals, kills, and destroys and is after our destiny, like I said, even it's just so evident. When you, I promise if you look back in your life and you look at specific events, it was very tailored to what your calling is and who you are to him like with my umbilical cord and my breath. And, and so in the dream, I said, well, I know what unmakes you. 
and I woke up and I knew that what Papa was saying is that this is the time when we, as the lovers of Jesus, will be able to see a person and not judge where they came from or what their story is, but we'll be able to see their heart and say, I see how the enemy tried to unmake you, but I'm a reformer and I will reform you back into who you are. With the love of God and with who Jesus is and with the Holy Spirit, I will see you and your story and I'll protect it and I'll steward you and I will reform you back into who you are. Not judge you, not condemn you because we have an enemy. All bad things, all bad things that happened in life to us and even, this is gonna be a shocker, but things that we did was because it was all influenced by the enemy. So when we can just cut that off and, and, and break agreement with that, I'm bad, I'm evil, I'm terrible. No, you just got unmade by life events because there wasn't someone else around that was able to see that. But in this house, in this place, we see. We are fully alive and we are awake and we see destinies and we see God's purposes. And we are just so hungry to see people's hearts and lives restored and reformed back to who God made you to be because we came with the shape, we came with the form. We did, we did. He has the perfect plan. And so my journey I'm describing is, is my reformation. <laughs> I had to get reformed. I had to get reformed out of people pleasing. I had to get reformed out of fear of man. I had to get reformed out of all the ideologies of go to college, get the degree, do this and do that. I bless and love that I know that there's vocations that people are absolutely called to for training. That's awesome, but you have to know what your path is. You just have to. Otherwise, you will just get shuffled through. And I'm just saying that he can save a lot of time and money <laughs> on your life. If you just trust and say, you made me for something, God. You're my maker. We sang that today in our rehearsal time. You're my maker. You're my creator. You know who I am. And so I yield my life to you. I yield my life to you. And I'm asking you, I'm, I'm like what I keep saying, the little, little guy at the college, I'm opening myself up for you to come and know me. And he comes rushing in. And so that's what happened to this woman at the well. She, Jesus opened her up in the only way that he can. And so this was her response. She said, oh, you must be a prophet. So tell me this. Why do our fathers worship God here on this nearby mountain? But your people teach that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship, which is right. <sighs> Got so much to say about that. We'll get, we'll get there in a minute. But Jesus responded, believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the Father on a mountain, nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your people don't really know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of our experience. <laughs> For it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who will worship and adore him in the realm of spirit and in truth. And so once, once I got reformed out of the worldly patterns that I could not fit, which is why I was having anxiety attacks and couldn't eat dairy, which thank you, Jesus, now I can have all the ice cream I want. Come to find out, it was just stress. <laughs> was not lactose intolerancy. You know, the world tries to put all these weird labels like, oh, you're ADHD. You're, oh, what's that other one that's real popular? ADD. Yeah. It's like, nah, you're just like an undisciplined sanguine ABCDFG. You just got a lot going on in your mind. Like you just got to refine that, hone that, 
focus. It's possible. I'm here to tell you it's possible. All my sanguines. It's possible. See, they're the ones that will yell with you. The introverts would not do that. So know your crowd. You did good, guys. And so once I got reformed out of all the worldly pattern and just crap that was not him for my life, wow, I just started getting more free. My body started coming to wholeness and alignment. Um, even my face cleared up. Just like everything about my countenance changed so much that I would actually run in, I say, into people. I would pass them just like near the campus, near UCO where I was going at the time, and see them. And they would just walk right by me because they didn't recognize me. <laughs> they straight up, and it, was, it felt like a superpower. Like I felt like I was like invisible girl because like they literally didn't recognize my face because death left. I mean, literally, like I came to life. I got color back in my vision. I got color back in my face. Just everything about me came and got reformed back into my original design. And so this is your story and your journeys too, is that God is looking for those who will first let themselves go through the process. If you've got reforming that you know needs to happen where things got put on you, people did things to you that you know you're carrying some pain and you know you're carrying some history through, that's beautiful. That's where, like I'm saying, he wants to come and encounter you in that dry place and he wants to pour his spirit out and I promise it is worth it and he will pour it out and he will refresh and he will renew and he will restore and that sting will not remain and that broken identity will fall away. And who you really are and have been the whole time is what will come to the surface. And so it's, but it's in this place where, like I keep saying, we have to first open ourselves up to him. And say, so I'm coming before you to be known, for you to know me, for you to form me, reform me. And now I will go and I'll be a reformer. I will go and I will reform the people that you have for me to touch and to reveal your glory to. Say, hmm. That doesn't look like you. That's what I'm so in awe of here in this house of leadership. You know, Teresa and Christy, they're, they're resting this week. And so here I am. And they, they see Teresa carries a father's heart so powerfully that she can see right through just all the stuff that was just of the enemy and actually see the heart of a person and call. We, around here, we, we say that's calling out the gold in someone. Is that God has placed identity and purpose and gifts in you that is so beautiful and holy and pure that, man, I would just go on a limb and say that he even buried that so that would stay protected. And so, but someone that's safe and someone that knows him and has their genuine best interest of heart for you will see you. And so I know that it's like, I look back, I'm like, whoa, no one knew who I was. No one could see me. Well, they didn't know who they were. They couldn't see them own selves, but would they have protected me? Would, would they have had my best interest at heart? And so thank you, God, that you closed that door. Thank you that you cut that relationship off. Thank you that you pulled me out of that place. Thank you that they couldn't see me. Thank you they couldn't know me because I needed my tribe. I needed my people. I needed who the Holy Spirit is and how he flows through a people that have said yes to him. And so he led me here, and here we all are. And so I'm here to say that he, he has a way, and he has a process. And like what we're saying about today, too, there's, I mean, I went through some storms emotionally, you know. I've been so blessed. I, 
I would say that a lot of what happened for me in my stormy times was internal, but it was real to me and it was a struggle. And But it was because I was always meant to carry and release peace onto others and especially worshipers. And we all are called to worship and we're worshipers. And so that's that's kind of part B of what I love about this interaction that Jesus has with the woman. Um, it seemingly looks like she kind of changes the topic, but I, I believe that the Holy Spirit drew that question out of her. I believe he drew that question out of her to ask about worship because he was entrusting his spirit upon her. So then what's the first thing? When you encounter the Holy Spirit, what's the first thing that's going to impact? What you worship. And, and believe it or not, but we're, we're worshiping all the time. Like worship, we are so wired and made to worship. We're doing it like we're breathing. It's, it's a part of who we are. It's how it's, it's the way that our heart is, has set itself of its affections and its desires towards. And, and you'll work your whole life around what you worship. You know, if it's your job and your income, then you're going to work your schedule out to make sure that you get those hours in and you get that time log so you can get that paycheck, so you can get the house, you can do the thing. You know what I mean? Like, or it'll be a person and it's all about them. And I'm, you know, I'm going to rearrange my whole plans just for you, 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 like you're my thing, you're my person. And so we have these desires and he doesn't condemn that. He loves that we have desires. He loves that we have passions and things that we long for but see he has to come and he has to reform that and bring that into what what its true intention is for and who it's unto so then I seek first the kingdom and everything else will come to me so that then I say God you're my number one you're my all in all you are my husband my best friend you're my partner you're my everything you will be my everything and so then from that place with that heart that says, you have first place in my life, he says, the kingdom is yours. What do you desire here? You want that to happen? Okay, that's going to happen. Okay, you prayed this. You want, okay, yeah, let's do that. Pam and I were getting in the truck this morning to come up here. And we were trying to get her little GPS navigator thing to come on. And she's like, come on. And she said to it, it took a minute because we're extroverts. We're like, get in the car, go. Like, we're like, oh, we have to wait here for like five seconds. She was like, come on, turn on. And I said, uh, what did I say? I said, yeah, boom. And as soon as I said, boom, it turned on. <laughs> and she said, well, there you go. You just told her what to do. I said, no, you told her what to do. I said, I brought the boom. <laughs> but I was like, oh, that's so God with us. Like he has his heart desire and then he wants to share that with us. And then we say, amen, boom. <laughs> so we got the boom, like we're the boom factor. He's got the desires. He knows his way. He knows his plan. He knows what he's formed and shaped in each of us. And he knows what he's formed and shaped in the earth. So he's just looking for a boom somewhere. Will someone say, yeah, God, I see your heart for that. I say yes and amen to that. And then boom, you know? Yeah, it's just that simple. <laughs> People have really like mystified prayer, <laughs> like seeking the Father's will. It's not that hard. It's just that I'm, I'm just snugged up with him, that I know him. So here's what's wild, okay? Let's keep going. So then oh, the woman said, this is all so confusing. But I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. So keep this in your mind. 
Jesus just actually revealed to her what the new pattern of worship was going to be. A, like he just gave her the biggest, two of the biggest revelations, I would say, that anyone in the New Testament has received. The living water, who he is, and then how we're going to worship. So then Jesus said to her, well, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I am the one you're looking for. At that moment, the disciples returned and were stunned to see Jesus speaking with the Samaritan woman. Yet none of them dared to ask him why or what they were discussing. All at once, the woman dropped her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone, (laughs) come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I'd ever done. He could be the anointed one we've been waiting for. And hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to come and see. So meeting him at at the well, guess what? She became the well. She experienced the power of authenticity and true love that saw into her and saw her story. You know, this, we only know this in part. So with, with the Holy Spirit, I love to let my imagination maybe create a bigger picture, if I could say it like that. He knew her story. So that means something about her he knew, and he said, mm, you're so worthy of my redemption. You're so worthy. You're so worthy. I love you. I see who you were the whole time, and I love you, and you're so worthy of me. You're so worthy to me. All of that, all of the the trying all the relationships and going here and going there, that was just your search. And he's not offended. And he is not, he's just not. He's, he's not worked up by what our past is and, and what our, our journey was that took us to find him. He only celebrates that he found us. That's his only thing he celebrates over us is that we become his. Then we become the well. Then we actually become the drink. Then we become the living water that then becomes a geyser. It goes gushing out that we become. So guess what? She, it says in the footnote, she became the first New Testament little evangelist that saved a whole city. I mean, it may have been 30 people, but whatever, like who cares? Like a whole people group said, we've got to give our lives to this man because you're saying he told you everything you'd done. Well, there's something there though that I just encourage y'all to pursue with him. I'm not going to know it. Only he can reveal it to you. But there's something about who you are that he knows that he wants to speak to you and unveil to you about who you are that will set you free. It will set you so free that you can't not then just become a well and let it just burst out of you. Let his presence burst out of you. So then you become the drink. You become the drink. I love the title and the passion of this story because it's called Thirsty Savior. It's this beautiful story of Jesus actually coming to drink from his bride, that's us, to come and drink from our devotion to him. And just the moment that we say yes to him, he's like, oh, finally, you're mine and I'm yours. So let's go and let's shake things up. Let's go and reform you know, so, so back to my story, once, once I encountered the Holy Spirit and I started to know more about who he is than like what I prayed at the start, more of who I actually was began to become unveiled to me. And 
I figured out the way I was was because of why I was. You know what I mean? There's a way that you are because of why you are. And some of that has to get reformed. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, for us extroverts, I can be like, yeah, I'm, I'm loud. I'm extra. I, I, that doesn't give me permission to not be sensitive towards what the Holy Spirit wants to do and who he is. So there's times where I got to be quiet. I've got to pull the passion in. But, you know, that's just it. There's a difference of passion and anointing. Anyone can be really, really passionate. But it's for the one who says, oh, I've become a drink to the king is anointed. And so we have to understand that he wants to use our passions. He wants to use our desires. He wants to use the giftings. But all of that flows through the well. All of that flows through who the Holy Spirit is and knowing, like I said, what his will is and his desires. Then he's like, mm, boom, <laughs> I can anoint that. Boom. Jalapeno solutions. Boom. And so, yeah, and then he'll say, my will be done because my heart has been reformed to say, your will be done. Your will be done, Papa. Your will be done. I want to see you move here. I want to see you reform something here. And so once I started to understand who I was and what I'm called to do, it's to be a worshiper and it's to raise up worshipers. I'm looking for people that will come and say, I'm done with just the basics of a song service where I play something and do something that makes me feel good or that I like or that's my taste or my preference that would lay all of that down and say, God, I want you to have your way in this room today. I want you to have your way in the hearts of your people. I won't put anything in the way. I won't put anything out there that would keep your people from being able to purely come and step into your presence and to know you and be known by you. See, that's why I believe the woman asked the question about worship, because like I said, we're also wired for it, that it's, it's worship is going to be what is the greatest movement that also helps to usher in the reformation that's happening on the earth right now. And I know it. We're seeing, we've been seeing it happen for years, but I'm saying that here in this house, in this place, we so honor his presence and his spirit that for years we have been defenders and protectors of purity of worship and his presence above all else that I would not just be willing to do a song or play a song or sing a song that I, that would be for me. Unwilling, will not do it. He's got too much on his heart and he's got too many desires that he wants to see expressed. And so he's just looking for hearts that will say, yes, you can flow through me. I'll be your well. I'll get me out of the way and say, come and move and do what you want to do here for your people because you love, because he loves, because he loves, because he loves us, because he loves, because he loves. That's been my, my journey is getting to walk into an atmosphere, into a place where people could truly see me because they allowed their own hearts to get reformed out of religion, out of all the other ways of the world so that a spirit to spirit can have a true spirit to spirit connection. And then when that's front and center, man, then everything else and the natural, everything else in life just comes into alignment with that. And then, like I said, everything's an ad from there. And then the wild part is then you get this cool, like, because he's like, all right, I can trust your heart. Now he's like, well, what do you want to sing? <laughs> you get to a place where you're so yielded. You're like, oh, like he's like, mm, but your heart is my heart. So what do you want to do here? Whew, I tell you, that's next level of walking with the Lord because you, you get more f comfortable 
honestly, we can get more comfortable with being told what to do. You know, that was one of your questions, I believe, today in the small groups was, are you more comfortable with letting legalism, which is the just fear, being your taskmaster and telling you what to do, as opposed to, no, I'll position my heart to keep practicing hearing only from you, Holy Spirit, and if you say to do this, I'll do that. Even if I feel like, mm, would someone be happy with that? Yeah, I feel like you're telling me to do that. You know what I mean? And so then doing his will becomes your food. So where you're hungry, where you're thirsty, where you're so dry, nothing else satisfies like, you know, you just did the will of the Father. There is nothing else in the world like it. And guess what? The next paragraph that Jesus talks about after the woman went and got all the people, as he said to the disciples when they came back to bring him lunch, I have food you do not know of. He said, don't worry about me. I've eaten a meal that you don't know about. My food is to be doing the will of him who sent me and to bring it to completion. And so I'm saying that this is the, this is the joy and the beauty and the freedom. <sighs> doing the Father's will in your life is your complete freedom. It's tormenting to be thinking I need to be doing something else for someone else because of something else. It is bondage. It is. But when you connect with the source, when you go to the source, when you drink from the well and you let him come and fill you, you will hear his voice and you'll experience his ever constant flow of his words of life, washing you, healing you, leading you, teaching you, guiding you, showing you the way, showing you the next thing to do here, and you'll have perfect peace. So the two things I would say that happened the most vividly for me after my encounter with the Holy Spirit was I saw color. I saw color more vividly, and I had the best night of sleep that next night. I'm talking like I was out and was just, I woke up like that was the most amazing sleep I've ever had. And most generally, that's the case. Not last night because my dog was crazy, but it's okay. It's fine. But peace is something that's undeniable to us. And we might not have the language for it, but we know when we know we've, we've peace has come. And it's like, whew, I encourage you all. That's the number one thing you got to protect. And it's what we're saying today. He's, it's a person. And it's, it's the life of Jesus that's come to be inside of you. And he loves to make the way and to make peace be what's at the forefront of how you function in life. We don't have to go two seconds without peace. <sighs> it's just silly. <sighs> I know, girl. We don't. We really don't. Um, <laughs> I remember early on in my journey of just the reforming parts of life that once you're like, oh, wow, like you come to realize a lot of the stuff I've got going on isn't, isn't his way, isn't the kingdom. You know, at, and some of those ways felt really right to me. It's like, no, that's not, that's not him. It's like shocking. Oh, okay, yeah. And, <laughs> and um, so then, you know, the love of the father would come and say, hey, that's not me. Correct that. And it'd be like, oh, wow. You know, at first my soul would want to have this response of like, well, I got to defend myself. I got to, I got to protect myself here. Like, what do you mean? But then it was like, no, this is true love that's coming to reform me into the ways of love. And so then the girls would always say, well, you could choose to feel better now or wait in two weeks because you know you're going to feel better 
you know, eventually you're going to feel better. Like you're not going to like be hung up in this emotional pit. It's like, oh, right. So that was like 101. Like I can choose peace and I can choose joy right now. <laughs> I mean, that's the living water. I mean, that's just a practical example of I'm connected to the source of living water. So at any moment, I don't have to go into pity. I don't have to go into fear. I don't have to go into condemnation when I slipped up. Nope. I received forgiveness. I received washing. I've got peace right now. I've got joy right now because I have the living water. Mm, so good. So I think that we've been saying it a lot in this house, but this is a really special time in history. Um, it feels like that, like I said, everything's like getting pulled into this like, what'd you say? Yeah. <gasps> 120. Yeah. Our prophetic word of the year. I'm sure you've seen all the bee stuff around um, where we call ourselves. This is the little beehive and we're the bees because we have a prophetic word that we got released over us in January from Christy that how a honeycomb is even made. This is just a quick commercial, but how a honeycomb is even made in a beehive is that the bees take the wax and they round it out with their little bee, unperfectly shaped circled body. And then somehow nature naturally tension and 120 degree way pulls it into the perfect hexagon that you see in a honeycomb. So the bee itself didn't, didn't make the perfect hexagon. It was a force. <laughs> but the force, <laughs> the force be with you. Love me some Star Wars. I don't know. And so, <laughs> you might have to tell your dream. Um, it was a force. And so he's just looking for partnerships. So like, we've got to bring something for him to shape. And so, but man, like, I hate the religious spirit because it so keeps people in bondage from bringing the authentic them, which God's like, no, I need you. I need your authentic self so that I can shape you, inform you, and pull you into the perfect 120 hexagon shape that then honey can come and fill. My glory can come and fill and fill you to overflowing and you'll become the sweet honey for others to drink from. So I want to invite Tessa up, and um, she's got an incredible word that she wrote earlier this week. And I told her, I just trust the Holy Spirit that he showed me that she needed to come share this word and um, just bring us a full picture to what he's saying today about the power of being known by God and knowing God and what all he can do through a yielded, surrendered heart. So let's welcome Tessa up. Boom. Thank you, shoot. Wow. I'm glad that she chose that right path because we all get to trek through right. her little path that she made. I'm just in awe of you. You're amazing. You're like Jesus. <laughs> um, well, I just love that she got to share her story. Um, I think one takeaway that I have is that reformers have been to the low places. They have been to the low places <laughs> and they know what it's like in the low places. And I think that her authenticity is just really inspiring. I think the thing that God is really highlighting to me is yesterday in prayer, um, I was seeing him remove these masks from us. And it's the thing in the word of, um, in the vengeance word 
where he says, I'm done with hatch doors and hiding places. I'm done with um, the reformers acting like they don't need to be reformed. (laughs) I'm done with that. I'm done with that. I need you to um, come in an authentic way and say I'm done hiding all the stuff that I don't really want to look at. And I think that he's really, he's really in that. And I love that just, I mean, it's the parallel of what she talked about. The woman at the well is that she was in such a low place that when God came and said exactly where she was, exactly what she was doing, she had nothing in her that was like, "Mm, no, that's not me. I'm all good. Look at me. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm all good. It's like, no, you're not all good, though. Like, you're not all good. Um, And so there's just something that he can so do with hearts that are like, I'm not all good. I'm not all good. Are you willing? Are you willing to be told everything you've ever done? Are you willing to be told everything you've ever done? Because that's the tension that she's talking about that actually shapes us into what he can infill and he can flow through. Um, and so I just wanted to read this word. It's, it's really about what he's reforming us into. He's reforming us to um, be reformers. He's reforming us to see, um, to see what he's doing and to partner with what he's doing and do what he's doing. And, and um, so I'm just going to read what I wrote. It's been such an amazing journey of fasting for justice and diving into CC's word on vengeance, receiving an expanded understanding of true justice. I love this psalm entitled True Justice, Psalm 82. All rise, for God now comes to judge as he convenes heaven's courtroom. He judges every judge and rules over every ruler, saying, How long will you be how long will you judges refuse to listen to the voice of true justice and continue to corrupt what is right by judging in favor of the wrong? Pause in his presence. He says, Defend the defenseless, the fatherless and the forgotten, the disenfranchised and the destitute. Your duty is to deliver the poor and the powerless, liberate them from the grasp of the wicked. But you continue in your darkness and ignorance while the foundations of society are shaken to the core. Didn't I commission you as judges, saying, you are all like gods since you judge on my behalf. You are are all like sons of the Most High, my representatives. Nevertheless, in death, you are nothing but mere men. You will be laid in the ground like any prince, and you will die. All rise, for God now takes his place as judge of all the earth. Don't you know that everything and everyone belongs to him? The nations will be sifted in his hands. And this reminded me of what Tisa has been saying, that we've become too democratic. His ways are the ways. His ways are the ways, and we are called to be righteous judges who bring rightness. I love this definition of justice as a verb. 
to be put or made right, be justified, and justify, make appear as righteous, make someone righteous. We are truly arising in righteousness. We are making ourselves ready and preparing a beautiful bride. For those of you that don't know, in Revelation it says that um, Jesus is coming back for a beautiful bride and that we are his bride. As I was looking up the word for justice in the Blue Letter Bible, I found that the Strong's numbers were usually H6663 or H6666. And that made me turn aside. In the word of the year, Tisa and Cece said that this would be the year of man, six, and to keep an eye out for the sixes that appear. They also said this amazing statement. This will be a year when mankind exhibits its divine nature for unity. Okay, I'm going to go there, but don't get nervous. <laughs> don't be scared. Anytime someone says 666, six, 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 everyone's like, <laughs> turn away. Um, in Revelation 1.3, it says, a joyous blessing rests upon the one who reads this message and upon those who hear and embrace the words of this prophecy, for the appointed time is in your hands. That's the promise. I believe he's revealing something beautiful and important about the season of vengeance and justice. So here we go. Revelation 13, 18 says, This will require wisdom to understand. I have wisdom. Let the one with insight interpret the number of the wild beasts, for it is humanity's number, 666. <laughs> it's exactly what she's talking about. It's humanity's number. It's the number that when, w this might be a good time to tell my dream. <laughs> I had a dream last night where, just follow me, guys, just follow me. Where, where, where there was um, a job of the hut in a cave. And, <laughs> exactly, job of the hut was in the cave. And he was connected to all these other caves. There was many caves and many Jabba's inside the caves, and they were all connected. <laughs> God is so funny. Uh, he's fun. And so what happened was this other rock came and uh, killed the Jabba. <laughs> and all the Jabba's inside of all the caves, and the rock took its place. And so I just feel like he's, that is what he's doing right now. He's coming to say that, that um, freedom is freedom from self. Yes. Being marked by God is freedom from self. Like, I've never been so free as just not being thinking about myself all the time. And that's what, that's what the Java represents. The Java is where, is where it's just feed me, feed me, feed me. And it's this kind of self-consumed way. And he's coming in and saying, I'm going to be the only God. I'm going to take the place of just the self-consumed way because that's not freedom for us. No one that's been in that place feels free. <laughs> um, so in Revelation 13, 
there are two beasts mentioned, and the first, uh, er, sorry, the second is the one that rises up from the earth. Um, and this is the footnote. It says that the wild beast rising out of the ground, which man was made from, is the sin of man that wars against our souls and prevents the image of Christ from emerging in fullness within believers. The number 666 cannot be literal, for a literal number would need no wisdom to interpret. Both the mark of the beast and the mark on the foreheads of God's faithful followers is a metaphor of the character of the beast revealed by thoughts, foreheads, and by actions, the hands. And so in Revelation, you know, we've, I'm sure some of us have, I've been fortunate to not have received like a really weird theology about Revelation, but a lot of us in religion did. And so what it, you know, the mark of the beast would be on your hands and on your forehead. (laughs) But what it represents is our thoughts and our actions. It represents that God is trying to make himself known in our thoughts and in our actions. So this caught my attention. I feel like I've heard something else coming up from the earth recently. And the vengeance word, it says, I am raising up fire from the earth, a fire that comes from a place untouched by man, untarnished by man, unmanipulated by man. I am releasing fire through the earth, through the ground you stand upon. What does not perish will remain, but every other ungodly thing will be consumed in these fiery flames. When reading the vengeance word with the Des girls recently, the question of what the fire from the earth was arose. And upon discussion, it was said and concluded that this fire rising up from the earth was us. In conclusion, I believe that this is a time of refining us into a pure flame in unity. We are being refined out of the manipulative ways of man and into the pure judges that bring justice and rightness to the earth through the image of Christ emerging in fullness within us. This is a time of redemption, refining, and realigning. Where is he doing it? In my thoughts and in my actions. We are being marked in this time as God's faithful followers. He is taking vengeance where the enemy has tried to mark our lives, where he's inflicted harm, where he's inflicted pain, and distorted our thoughts and our actions with his activities. Instead, we are being marked by vengeance and the true justice of our King Jesus, Yahweh. We are arising as righteous judges to prepare a unified and beautiful bride. Let's remember today that our thoughts and actions are of great importance in being a display as God's faithful followers. We are being refined to be the display. I think that one thing to remember is that this is the process that she's described today. It's through the hills. It's through the valleys. It's not that's how we're refined. That's how our thoughts and actions are refined. It doesn't come um, through pretenses or acting like we're all good or like we don't need refining, we don't need reforming. Um, I just wanted to read the scripture. It says, it's, we all know it, but it's the Beatitudes. What happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? 
for yours is the realm of heaven's kingdom. What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord, for you will find what you long for. What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you, for you will inherit the earth. And in Matthew 12, it says, He won't brush aside the bruised and broken. He will be gentle with the weak and feeble until his victory releases justice. Oh, that's what we do. We, we just come and we just say, I need you, 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 I need you. And we position our hearts in a place of great need. And that's where he, he rises up in us. That's where he infills us. And we rise up from that place. It's not from any other place. It's from the process. It's from going through the snow and the hills. And there's no other way around it. But that's how Jesus gets emerged in us that's how he implants his thoughts in our thoughts and his actions in our actions and so i just want to pray over us and invite cheryl to come up jesus we're so honored that you chose us as image bearers you chose us as ones that you said you're worthy to experience me and to be an experience of me for others And so we invite you in this time, we say that we don't um, do a different process. We don't don't do something else in a time and in a season that we're privileged to be a part of where you're releasing grace to actually um, do the process well. And so I just encourage hearts today in vulnerability. I encourage hearts today to bring the places, their Java places, to the rock and to be reformed. And I just invite you to come and to infill us fresh and new. And we just say that we'll be marked by your thoughts. We will be marked as your faithful ones. So I just thank you for this invitation to come in through need and to come in through just great hunger and that that's how you raise us up so I just bless each and every one of us today I thank you for how you're going to reveal how to do this amazing word that Shudi gave us amen thank you for listening to this message from One Life Okay For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.